0: What's up and welcome Inter-Miami fans to a new episode of Inside Inter-Miami, the Miami Herald show dedicated to everything Inter-Miami. Been on a little bit of a break, but we are back now. I'm Andre Fernandez, Deputy Sports Editor at the Miami Herald, joined as always by our Inter-Miami beat writer, Michelle Kaufman. We're both back from a little bit of time off, not too much because, you know, as everyone knows, constantly working these days, but getting close. To the 2024 Inter-Miami season, a ton to talk about, you know, almost almost quite literally considering some of the wheeling and dealing that Inter-Miami has done this offseason. Michelle, how's your time off? Because uh, we're getting ready to get crazy again with this team.
1: Yeah, it hasn't been much time off. I mean, it's basically uh, a couple of weeks vacation after the holidays, and, and that's it. We're right back at it. Uh, at, You know, Inter-Miami, all the teams – in MLS begin training this weekend. Uh, this Saturday is the opening of training camp, January 13th. So it really is not much time. I mean, the the team had some time to take off since they didn't make the playoffs. But the front office has been working hard, and uh, the beat writer has also been working hard, uh, you know, covering all the different things that have been going on in between and the all of the uh, friendlies that they're going to be playing in the preseason. They're going to be playing seven games. Over five countries, 25,000 miles, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, it's it's a very ambitious uh, preseason schedule, and it remains to be seen. Some people think it's too much, uh, yeah. too much travel, and these guys are going to be dead by the time uh, the, the season starts on February 21st. So we're going to talk about that and then the deals that they've been making. Luis Suarez joined the team since we last spoke. Julian Gressel joined the team just yesterday. And Kamal Miller has gone to the Portland Timbers to reunite with Phil Neville. So we have a lot to talk about Yeah, Uh, in the last few weeks. Lots have been going on.
0: Lots to unpack for sure. But the one name that jumps out at everybody, I'm sure, that you just said is Luis Suarez. It's official. He's here now. He joins the mega-talented cast that continues to grow on this team. Michelle, if you can just encapsulate here like just what this means you know obviously another world caliber player another mega talent we've seen what he can do over the years but again you know kind of like lionel messi how's the conditioning going to be what kind of Luis suarez can we can we expect on the field especially you know like you like you mentioned before this is going to be a grind before the grind already on this rock star tour that they're about to embark on so what what can we expect from suarez in the early going
1: Yeah, I mean, Suarez, again, is not a young man. He turns 37 this month. So we're not talking about a young man. We're talking about a guy in the, you know, in the tail end of his career. He's 37 years old and he has been plagued by knee issues uh, in the last couple of years, complained about knee issues this season, too. However, despite the knee issues that he was having, um, he was an incredibly prolific scorer for Grêmio in Brazil this past season. He played 52 games. He played 4,500 minutes, which I think is more than any player in MLS played. Um, he scored 24 goals and had 17 assists uh, overall for the for Gremio. And within the league, he had 15 goals in 32 league games, 24 goals overall and 17 assists. You know, including all competitions, he was named the best striker in the Brazilian league. And he led Grêmio to, you know, to championships and cups. So his name is El Pistolero, you know, because he does this little gunshot thing when he scores. Um, Even though he's going to be 37 this month, even though he had knee issues, he is still capable of being one of the most prolific scorers uh, in this league, for sure. I mean, you know, he was the biggest scorer in Brazil. And that's not different, that different of a level of league of, uh, of, of MLS. I think that he will come in as a, you know, as a huge offensive threat. And he is a former teammate of of Lionel Messi, of Sergio Busquets, of Jordi Alba. The four of them are reunited now. It's kind of like the Mount Rushmore was missing one head and now they have Luis Suarez. So the four guys who all happen to also be close friends and former teammates for Barca. They are reunited. They're back together. Uh, They wanted to play together. He just signed a one-year deal. It's just a one-year deal. He wants to play with Messi. He wants to play here with those three other guys. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see. But even though he is old and his knees may not be what they once were, uh, he is still a very, very dangerous threat as a scorer. And with and with pairing with Messi, you know, they, they should be one of the most formidable. They should be the most formidable pairing in MLS. I mean, on paper, for sure, they are.
0: Yeah, the Mount Rushmore quite literally is being made. Like Some are out there outside the stadium already with a hammer and chisel, putting it together, put the four faces together there. I wouldn't be surprised with the way that they've been. Um, but in all seriousness, that chemistry is there. I'm sure it won't take long for that. But the I, but the key question is that durability, because we already saw how Messi was so limited late in the season by those in, by the injuries. And if that happens again with Suarez, especially in a one year window, then they lose the opportunity to even see what kind of impact he can make. But not the only signing that they made recently. You mentioned Julian Gressel. I like uh, from what I'm seeing a lot of this kid. You know, you know, the impactful player that he's been at Columbus, it's good to kind of inject some more some more of those, you know, that aren't on that age scale like like a Suarez, like, you know, 30 year old like Gressel can come in and energize this team. And we saw a lot of those young players last year, you know, the nice old nucleus of younger players that they had that complemented Messi and Alba and Busquets. So what can Gressel bring to this squad?
1: Yeah, Chris Henderson, the sporting director, said in his post-game remarks or postseason remarks, excuse me, that the team was very youth-heavy and veteran heavy. And one of the things, one of their goals going into this off season was to bring in some players that are mid age, you know, for in soccer years, we're talking not in, in real years. Uh, all of these guys are young, you know, by my standards. <laughs> but in, in soccer playing years, they, they had a lot of players that are 21 and younger. And then they have a lot of players that are, you know, 34 and up. And the idea was also to bring in some players who are in the middle, 27 to 31 year olds who have experience in the league. And and because these other guys that they brought in had no experience in the league, obviously the world-class talent, but they don't have experience in the league. They don't know the the opponents. They don't know just the, the travel and all the things involved with playing in MLS and the style of play. Uh, Julian Gressel is, I think, a perfect signing because he's 30 years old. He's not too young, but he's still not too old. He's really in the prime of his career. Uh, he's a very serious player. I mean, he was making $900,000 with Columbus. He's a guy who has won two MLS Cups, and the first MLS Cup he won was with Tata in Atlanta. So he is reuniting with his former coach, Tata Martino. They won the MLS Cup in 2018 together in Atlanta, and now he won another MLS Cup this year with the Columbus crew. He's also a very versatile player. So he can play, you know, he can play right wing. He can play, you know, he can play fullback. He can play midfielder on either side. He's he's really a very versatile player that they can plug in in different spots, which I think is going to be very important, especially with the amount of games that they're going to play this year. The workload that these guys are going to have, they're going to need players who are uh, versatile, who can move around and play in different positions if somebody else can't play that game. So I think that, Julian Gressel was a great addition to this team. Uh, you know, he's just a guy who's going to bring leadership. He's going to bring experience in the league. He's versatile. Uh, and, he, and you know, this is where he wanted to, to come. He was one of the top, most coveted free agents in MLS this, this offseason. And he ended up choosing Miami. So that's a really big signing for them, a domestic signing. All of the signings have been foreign signings. But this is a really big domestic signing. Uh, and then the domestic, the, the player that they lost, not domestic, uh, a, for, a, uh, a foreign spot player, which was Kamal Miller. I, I really will miss him <laughs> as a reporter. He was the best, uh, you know, one of the best quotes, if not the best quote on the team, a very, very smart player, very smart guy, very introspective, very, you know, able to um, really express on the ups and the downs of the team. So I know that he was a favorite with the media and we are going to miss him. He also was a really strong, I thought a very strong center back. I think that he had some games that he, he made some critical plays that saved some goals for inter Miami that, that, you know, saved Drake Callender from having to make an amazing save. I think he, you know, he's a, he's a very good player. And I know that Phil Neville loves him. And when he signed with Phil Neville, you know, Phil raved on and on about him. And now Phil is going to have him back with the Portland Timbers. So that's a big loss to me. I am assuming that there is some other center back that they're thinking of bringing in um, and maybe someone who's uh, an international spot player because they gave up an, you know, they gained an international spot by giving him up. So uh, we'll see what happens. That remains to be seen. Um, But they did lose Kamal Miller, which I believe is a loss Uh, on a couple of fronts he's also a leader type guy plays on the canadian national team uh so i think that that is a loss um but julian gressel is is a big gain and luis suarez is obviously a huge gain as far as scoring which is what they need to do they need to score goals and that is what he does
0: yeah well it's it's also like you said like the avoiding that massive drop-off that they had once these guys got hurt you can't have that happen where such it's such a huge drop in talent level and huge drop in execution and everything else and so hopefully a signing like gressel can can keep the team afloat if they run into a wave of injuries but let's we've teased enough to it let's talk about this this mega road trip that they're going on right before the season even starts i mean these games aren't even going to count they're nice they're obviously profitable when it comes to money exposure the whole traveling circus around the around the world and all of that but is it a little is it a potentially a mistake to grind these guys out as much as they are right before the real thing starts.
1: My opinion. I mean, obviously I'm not the coach. I'm not the sporting director. These guys are paid a lot of money. Um, They know a lot more than I do, but when I just look at it and when some of the fans that I've been hearing from look at it, you're talking about a team that has some older players They complained last season about how grueling the schedule was and how many games they played and how much travel there was. And yet before this season even kicks off on February 21st, they are going to play seven games in five countries and travel 25,000 miles, uh, almost 25,000 miles. We're talking about starting next week on the 19th of January, they're going to play in El Salvador against the El Salvador national team. From there, three days later, they're going to be in Dallas to play FC Dallas. That'll be their only game in the preseason against an MLS team. Their only game against an MLS team will be that game uh, against Dallas. Then they head to Saudi Arabia for a pair of games, one against Al-Hilal, and then one against al nasser which is the team that Cristiano Ronaldo plays on yes, a huge high profile game. Everybody's going to be watching it. They're calling it the last dance because it may be the last time that they get to face each other, Ronaldo and Messi. Um, but it's in Saudi Arabia, two games in Saudi Arabia. From there, they fly to Hong Kong and they play a team of Hong Kong all-stars from there. They go to Tokyo and they play Vissel Kobe, a team from, from Japan. Then they fly back to the United States and on February 15th, they play the final preseason game at home against Argentine team uh, Newell's Old Boys, which is the hometown team of Rosario, of Tata Martino and Lionel Messi. So that's going to be fun. That's going to be at home. It's uh, you know, a team, that a club that has a lot of history with Lionel Messi, which is where he started as a youth, and with Tata Martino, who played there and coached there and remains – to this day he has the record for most appearances for that club as a player. Um so out of the 7 games only 2 on American soil, only 1 at home. One home game in the entire preseason, 2 games in this country, 5 outside and a whole lot of travel. Uh you know, yes, it's there's no question they're going to be spreading the brand globally they're going to they're going to expand the the brand and reach the tentacles of Inter Miami and MLS to the, all the different corners of the globe that is obviously an excellent business decision and makes sense from a business standpoint they're going to sell so many of those pink shirts and there's going to be a new pink shirt coming out soon has not been unveiled there's been some leaks i'm not sure if the leaks are exactly accurate but it's going to be a, apparently a big Royal Caribbean uh, logo in the middle of the shirt. Um, but they are going to sell a lot of shirts in, in you know, in Saudi Arabia, in Tokyo, in Hong Kong. They're going to sell a lot of shirts in these countries. They're going to make a lot of money. They're going to expand the brand. Uh, they haven't said the TV deals yet, but I'm sure Apple will be involved in something of it. And so, yes, they're going to make a lot of money. They're going to expand the brand and all of those things. The question remains, is it at the expense of getting the team prepared for this season? Now, they are going to play formidable opponents. They're going to play a national team of El Salvador. They're going to play, you know, two good teams in Saudi Arabia. They're going to play the best team, the best players in the Hong Kong League. And they're going to play, you know, uh, a good team from Tokyo. Um, So they are going to be playing against good opponents. It's not that they're going to be playing against lower level opponents but it's a matter of are the opponents that they're playing you know going to prepare them for mls competition and the main question is the amount of travel that they're doing is it a wise decision or is it not are they going to come back is anyone going to get injured are they going to be exhausted are they going to have any legs left by february 21st that remains to be seen it could be that this was a great decision and a great plan and they're going to come in all fired up on February 21st and ready to go and, and score five goals against Real Salt Lake. And if they do that, great for them. But the question definitely is out there. And I think that one of the biggest themes going into this season is the balancing act that this club has to make that no other club in MLS has to make the balancing act of business side versus sporting side. And, you know, I'm not in on their meetings behind closed doors, but, you know, the sporting side and the business side are two different entities. And yes, they all want to win, but the business side wants to make money and wants to sell merchandise and wants to sell tickets and the sporting side wants to win trophies. So this club has their biggest challenge, I think, going into this season is the balance of business side versus sporting side, and how do they manage that? How do they navigate that? Uh, Javier Asensi, the business you know, business manager of the club, business, you know, C- uh, CFO, uh, business person who's really good and really dynamic and wants to do a lot of things. And then you've got the sporting director, Chris Henderson, and then you've got the coach, Tata Martino. There are a lot of discussions that I'm sure go on between those three about what's best for the club. And that's going to be really one of the more interesting storylines I think for this team this year and it's a storyline that no other club in this league really has to deal with because no other club has Lionel Messi, Luis Suarez, Sergio Busquets and Jordi Alba no no other club has that foursome and you know that's a blessing but you know could it also be a bit of a curse in some ways because of all the attention and all of the money that is available for them to be made and and you know Will they be run ragged by, you know, by midseason? Will they have anything left? So it's going to be interesting to see.
0: The intriguing part for sure is that this speaks to how, what a boom this franchise has had in such a short time. Because you're literally now operating like a Manchester United, like a Barcelona, like a Real Madrid, like on that level of, like you were saying, the business side of it. They're not there in terms of name around the world necessarily, maybe because of the history, but that's how these clubs have operated for years, playing for four different trophies during the season, marketing their players, going here, going there on those off season tours. Like when Man U comes down here or, you know, one of these international, so they're operating like one of those teams are starting to, but they, ha- they don't have the history of knowing how to handle it. So how, Can they do it is the intriguing question. Like you said, that's going to be one of the intriguing things. Can they handle that balancing act? There's going to be load management in terms of minutes and whatnot in the preseason, which is crazy to think about that you have to do it during the regular season when you're not only playing the MLS slate, but you're playing even more, even one additional tournament than you did last year when it was enough of a balancing act, trying to win the Leagues Cup, trying to win the U.S. Open Cup. Now you've got the CONCACAF uh, Cup as well. I mean, this is going to be insane, though. To, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, for sure. I mean, you know, like you mentioned, the uniforms. They were wildly popular already locally when this team was just an average MLS team. Now imagine what kind of response they're going to get around the world. And just just the matchup of Messi and Ronaldo, if they're healthy by that game, that alone, those two titans of of this game clashing, even if it is an exhibition match, that alone is that's right up there with a classico or the types of games that are internationally renowned and so popular i mean it, it's definitely by far the most intriguing thing is going to be for the next half a year or more or really 8 months to see how this team this franchise both on and off the field handles this
1: yeah i mean you're right the the ronaldo the game against the game between ronaldo and messi is going to be everybody's going to watch that around the world. You're talking about, you know, the biggest rivalry, you know, the biggest player rivalry in the sport going against each other. Yes, it's a preseason game. It doesn't count, but it's messy against Ronaldo. It's the two biggest names in the sport. You know, combined, they have, you know, a billion Instagram followers between the two of them. Um, You know, we're talking about two humongous superstars going up against each other. And I understand why Inter-Miami would want to go over there and play in that game. They're going to get a lot of money. They're going to get so much exposure. And, uh, you know, it'll be a decent game. I mean, the the top teams in Saudi have some really good players on them that, that have taken huge salaries to go over there. So there are some well-known players on both of the teams that they're going to be playing. So I understand the, uh, you know, I understand the desire to, to go over there and to have these high-profile games and, and to get everybody tuning in to MLS and tuning in to enter Miami. I I totally understand it. And again, they're going to sell a lot of shirts too. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a lot of travel and the load management this year, like you said, now they have the CONCACAF champions league this year, which they were not in before. They earned a spot in that by winning leagues cup. Uh, They now have yet another tournament. And one thing also that, that happened in the off season that, that we have not talked about which has to do with this load management, is that um, MLS initially came out about a month ago and made an announcement that they were not gonna have their first teams play in the US Open Cup, that they were gonna have their second team, the MLS Next Pro teams play in the US Open Cup. Well, that created a major, major maelstrom around the soccer world in the United States because it's political, but I'll explain it quickly. Uh, The U.S. Open Cup is run by U.S. Soccer. The U.S. Soccer Federation runs U.S. Open Cup, and U.S. Open Cup has been around for 114 years. It's one of the oldest tournaments in the world, even though in this country it has not gotten the attention that, you know, that the FA Cup does in England or something like that. It is the one all-comers tournament that's been around for over a century. It has a lot of history. All the teams can play at all the different levels of U.S. soccer. And then the pinnacle is at the end when the MLS teams jump in and play the later rounds against some of the lower teams that, that advance. Well, MLS announced that because of load management and because they had added the Leagues Cup, MLS basically invented Leagues Cup with Liga MX, to promote those two leagues. And again, to have more games on Apple TV uh, and sell shirts and all those things we're talking about, they made leagues cup. And now there's Leagues cup and us open cup and CONCACAF champions cup. And let's not forget Copa America is being held in the United States this year from June 20th to July 14th. And any players who are on South American national teams, such as Lionel Messi, and Luis Suarez are going to be playing for their national teams in that tournament. Also United States, Mexico, players from some of the countries in CONCACAF are also playing Copa America this year. So there will be players missing for those games. So we're talking about a very extremely crowded calendar and MLS said, you know what, to ease the calendar a little bit, we're not going to have our first team players play in the U S open cup. Well, U.S. soccer did not like that. U.S. soccer did not like that answer and said, no, you are required, you know, by the federation, by being a member of U.S. soccer federation, you have to send all the pl- all the teams of the highest caliber to the U.S. Open right. Cup. So they said they're not allowed to send the second team. So now the MLS teams are, you know, they can still send, for example, U.S. Open Cup. They can send their backup players. They will maybe hold out, my guess is a lot of MLS teams, especially ones that are in CONCACAF champions or one of those, are going to hold out the top players for U.S. Open Cup and just play the bench players and then bring in some players from the second team. So it's officially still a first team roster, but I don't expect the top players from the first team rosters to play most of the U.S. Open Cup games the way they have in the past because the calendar has just gotten too crowded. So that's going to be very interesting to see when U.S. Open Cup starts out, which teams send their top, top roster and which teams are going to send a secondary roster.
0: Yeah. And you understand the reaction, though, because they don't want to devalue their tournament by getting lesser talent. Exactly. In there. But it, I think they're going to do what you're saying, because both it's two things. It's not just resting your main guys. You're also maybe sending some of the players who don't get all those minutes in league play to be able to get that opportunity to compete and get real experience in the U.S. Open Cup as well. So it's twofold. So, you know, all these clubs are going to take advantage of that for sure, because they're going to feel like, okay, you gave us an opening to handle this a little bit better on both sides of it. So, yeah, I mean, it's not good for the U.S. Open Cup, but it is going to be good for for the workload part for all these teams. But um narrowing the focus of course a little bit here since this is the big theme this week let's uh let's close this last segment up by talking a little bit about training camp Michelle and and uh, we're just a few days away now as of this recording uh as they get ready February 21st on uh, on the very extremely far horizon after all these <laughs> road trips against Real Salt Lake but right now just this week as they open camp what do you what are some of the storylines that inter Miami fans should follow and what are you most looking forward to to checking out about the team right now.
1: Yeah, the team opens camp this Saturday. Obviously, the biggest storyline is going to be that this is the very first full preseason with the new version of Inter-Miami. This is the first preseason with Tata Martino in charge. A year ago, Phil Neville was still the coach of this team. A year ago right now, this team did not have Lionel Messi. It did not have Sergio Busquets. It did not have Jordi Alba. It did not have... Uh, you know, Luis Suarez, it did not have Julian Gressel. So we're talking about five players, really key players who are going to be starting their first full training camp with Inter Miami, with Inter Miami, the first full training camp for Tata Martino. And he said all along that the team was sort of learning his system on the fly because he came in in July, took over the team mid season. They had so many games with leaks cup, U S open cup, and the regular season that he claimed that he didn't really have a chunk of time for them to really learn his system. They were just kind of learning on the fly. Now, my opinion, they're not going to have that much time in this preseason either because they basically have one week. They're opening camp this Saturday, and one week from this Saturday, they're going to be playing in El Salvador. So they're going to have, yes, they're going to be able to learn a little bit and work together, but they're already going to be preparing for for a game out of the country in in seven days time and that will be followed by six other games in a very close window of time so i still don't see it as a huge chunk of time that the team can be just in a regular training camp mode where they show up in the morning and they train for three hours and they don't have a game to prepare for this team has seven games to prepare for in five different countries um starting next week so there's going to be a lot of preparation going on really quickly. That's one of the big storylines is just all of these new players having the first camp under Tata and how, you know, how will they work? How much time will they have to train as they're getting ready for these games? Because they are preseason games. Yes, they don't count, but I'm sure they want to win these games. Uh, They're not going to just use them as little training scrimmages. You know, they want to win these games. A lot of eyeballs are going to be on them. So, it's going to be interesting for me to see how much actual training work are they going to do versus how much game preparation are they going to do. I think, again, the whole storyline of this team going into this season is the management of their workload, the management of training versus getting ready for games. Um, you know, will they hold out some? Are, are all of those stars going to play all seven of those games or not? Those, those sponsors and promoters are paying a lot of money to get these teams over there. They're going to want to see the big names. They're not bringing Inter Miami over there and paying tons of money to, for their secondary players. They want to see the top players. But, you know, do you think that is Lionel Messi going to play 90 minutes in all seven of those games? Is, is Luis Suarez going to play 90 minutes in all seven of those games? I think that's doubtful. Um, so load management. Is going to be the biggest, biggest question. And then just how everybody, how Luis Suarez uh, fits in with the group. Obviously, he knows Messi, he knows Busquets, and he knows Alba. But they're going to be playing with a whole bunch of other new teammates in a new system, in a new league. Um, And that's going to take some getting used to. We've seen it with every foreign player that comes. You know, Gonzalo Higuain had a long period before he was adjusted. Bizarro was also took some time to get adjusted. I mean, it takes time. To get adjusted from a foreign league to MLS, it's very different, different style of play, you know, very physical, um, not as tactical, not as, you know, skill oriented, uh, very physical and uh, fast league and a lot of travel again, uh, different time zones, different climates, all the different things that, you know, when you play in Europe and you take a bus or a train to your next game and, you know, you come back in a couple hours, this is very different. So, uh, Luis Suarez is going to have a, an adjustment period. Um, That's going to be interesting to watch. And uh, yeah, that's the main thing going into camp is how Luis Suarez blends in and how all of these new players can develop as a team before the first game of February 21st.
0: Yeah, this is um, again, like we say in Spanish, I think this is, elocura because it's not this isn't spring training where you could just ease in and work on your pitches this isn't like football where you have all these simulated reps before a preseason game like no this is hit the ground running and let's go and there's going to be a lot of that stuff but on the fly pretty much but again i go back to how this is this this shows you for better or worse the the ambition and the, the very lightning fast growth of this franchise where you're now operating like one of these global brand market teams, like the ones I mentioned before in Europe, like you're, you're that type where you're showcasing, but at the same time preparing. And then it's just a constant grind of now we're playing this game and then this game and in here, this country, there, this part of the world, this corner of the world. And it's nonstop. It's a year round event with this team. There's just no let up right. pretty much, you know, so that's right. that intriguing.
1: It is very intriguing. And, you know, some of these guys do have experience with that. We're talking about, you know, the Mount Rushmore we talked about. Those four guys have have been living that right. that that type of world that that type of schedule yeah. for a long time. You know, all four of those guys have done these sort of things before. However, they are now in their mid to late 30s. They mm-hmm. are not in their 20s anymore. So when they were touring with Barcelona, they were younger. Than they are now, and every year that they play, and you know, Luis Suarez played 52 games on 36 year old knees. You know, so that as as you know, as much as he wants to play, and as much as Messi wants to play, and as ambitious as they are, and as dedicated as they may be, there is the physical human reality that they are older—36, 37 years old—is not the same as 29, 30, 31. So um, you know, it's. It, And and it's going to be interesting. Yes, this is a global team now. They are acting like a global team, even though it's funny because this team did not make the MLS playoffs. Okay, if we just look on paper, (laughs) the team two years ago won 14 games, finished in sixth place, and made the playoffs. And this team, you know, or I'm sorry, this team finished that team finished in sixth place and made the playoffs. This team finished in 14th place and did not make the playoffs. So. We're talking about a team that is loaded with superstars, stacked with stars, stacked with potential. The expectations are that they're going to play in the MLS Cup this year. But there's a lot of pressure on them because mm-hmm. this year they did not even make the playoffs let alone make a deep run in the playoffs. They didn't even make the playoffs. They finished, right. in, you know, second they finished second to last place in the league. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure on right. this team. There's a yeah. lot of pressure on this team.
0: Yeah, and the, the crutch though is that it, they got a late start and everybody came in mid season and all that, but that's obviously out the window this year. Now no it's more on, excuses,
1: no, no, no more excuses, excuses. Exactly. no excuses. Nope. And, and
0: they're a glo- they're a global brand in terms of image and look and construction, but without the track record, without the tangible outside of the league's cup, without the vast history that that hasn't been built up yet. But that's what it, that's what the season is for to start to lay the foundation for that to continue to lay the foundation for that so it's going to be interesting to see this ride you know as as we talked about before you know media day this week the opening of training camp a lot of excitement michelle will be right there you know front and center as as always i'll be jumping in from time to time this season probably too and of course we'll be bringing you this show inside inter miami back on a regular basis uh after this little hiatus we were on so to everybody every follower of this show (laughs) you're doing you're doing the gunslinger already Get ready. Right. Yes. Yeah. What, you know, t- play, Place your bets now on when that first Luis Suarez goal is going to be. Hopefully, he's on the field regularly to get a few of those going. So that's the big question. But for Michelle Kaufman, I'm Andre Fernandez. We thank everybody once again for watching and listening to Insight into Miami. Remember, you can catch it on the audio side, on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere your favorite podcatchers are. And of course, here at MiamiHerald.com and on YouTube, it's available to watch it. Uh, we'll be back next week with a, a look back at the opening of training camp and a look ahead to how this uh, road trip uh, begins to unfold. So once again, for Michelle, and Andre Fernandez. Thanks for joining us and take care, everybody.